I'm Frank Indorka, Editorial Director of Solar Power World Magazine, and I'm here with members of the True Solar Initiative here in San Francisco at InterSolar 2013. I'm going to start off by asking all the panelists to introduce themselves, and then we'll talk about the True Solar Initiative and why it is necessary for the industry. Hi, this is Evelyn Butler, Business Development Director from Underwriters Laboratories. We're a standards development organization and specialize in testing, inspection, and certification services for the PV industry. I am Konstantino Nikolaev, Chief Executive Officer of Panelclaw Inc. We're a multinational multi-system structures company uh, with headquarters here in North America covering the commercial and industrial sector, uh, North America, India, and Europe. I'm, I'm Doug Payne. Senior Vice President of Corporate Development for Distributed Sun. Distributed Sun is a project finance and development platform focused on the commercial and industrial sector. Provide a platform to aggregate projects and fund projects across the CNI sector in the U.S. market. Hi, I'm Jean Schwartz. I'm Vice President of New Venture Commercialization for Assurant. We are a specialty insurance company that also provides warranty management services, and I lead the solar business for Assurant. Terrific. Thanks, guys. I was at the True Solar Breakfast yesterday, and I really enjoyed what you guys had to say. Can, can you tell our listeners a little bit about what the True Solar Initiative is all about? The True Solar Initiative is a collection of thought leaders, market leaders, focused specifically on increasing broader access to lower cost capital for the CNI sector specifically. At the end of the day, really, this is about increasing access and moving projects much more efficiently through different steps of the project development life cycle. So it's about capital velocity. The group as a whole is, is developing a uniform way to assess project risk. So we can price risk more efficiently than what we do it today, remove the premium on debt issue to renewable projects, and expand access to lower cost capital in a much more comprehensive way than we currently do it today in the marketplace. And another benefit of the initiative, which is an offshoot of increased access to, cap access to capital and deal velocity, is that through creating a credit screen, True Solar will actually enable the companies that are our customers to actually increase deal flow by very quickly screening out bad projects and accelerating and fast-tracking good projects through the existence of this credit, uh, this project screen that's being created. Now, did I hear yesterday that's going to be an online tool for the financiers to access? So there, there's a there's several different phases to the initiative. Uh, the first phase is, is basically we got together and identified a problem that was a common need to be solved. That's step number one. But then we've just completed alpha phase uh, and we're moving to beta phase. And the alpha phase is basically developing a prototype screen uh, based on everybody's collective input about different parts of the value chain. And then beta is all about applying it to real world projects. Ultimately, the True Solar screen as a project standard will be released to transfer to an open source, uh, an accessible standards body in 2014. Uh, will it be affordable and accessible for the entire broad market? One of the things that the solar industry obviously has issues with is how do you talk to financiers and how do you get them to, to get past some of their misconceptions about the industry? And I understand the True Solar Initiative is planning to do that. What's the reaction been of the financiers that, have, that are involved? I think from, from UL's perspective, one of the benefits it brings to industry is to ground more confidence for the financiers in the equipment, bringing less questions about quality and variability, and how do we remove some of those 
insecurities or lack of confidence that they might have by showcasing the quality of the equipment, its ability to perform, and to provide the power output that they're banking on throughout quite a long time. Again, to help remove some of those insecurities they might have about investment. And you have to ask the question, why are only 5% of lending institutions in the country participating in the commercial industrial sector, lending into the commercial industrial sector? And I think the answer is very, very simple. If there's a bank in Massachusetts, it's a regional bank, and they want to invest in a PV project, the amount of work that they have to do to actually invest in that one project is tremendous. So they have many of many other vehicles that they can lend into today that don't involve that tremendous amount of work. Uh, vehicles that have been created partially because a rule set exists for scoring risk on that vehicle, and Assurant can speak to that quite a bit. The True Solar Initiative creates this score uh, through the use of the credit screen. Uh, that's being developed by the entire market actually through our leadership and it allows those banks to decrease their transactional costs for lending into the PV sector and at the same time it allows them to properly understand risk. And I would add that over time, even in the short amount of time that this group has been working together, we've seen an increased velocity of interest and enthusiasm from the financier segment. At the beginning, nobody was quite sure what it was we were working on. Now that they understand it, they're very excited because it is going to allow them to look at a project and not have to do six weeks of diligence on it. They're going to be able to look and understand and have a common format to use when evaluating projects. And Frank, listen to this. How long have you heard, you've been covering the industry for a long time. How many times have you heard securitization and for how long have you heard it? This group has been formed for six months. We just exited Alpha, created the tool, and we're going into beta. And we're releasing this into the market in 2014. Think about that. So when you talk to the financial institutions, they've been hearing securitization for a long, long time. We're actually doing something about it. I, I think that that's one of the struggles that we have had as an industry is we're just having trouble talking to financiers and getting our message across that we're a bankable asset. Do you have any sense from talking to the financiers as to why they feel that way and what some of the misperceptions that you're hearing from them and why they have those misperceptions? I'll maybe start it off. It's, it's really a lack of a common language and a common way to look at deals. Residential deals are you know, fairly consistent. There's a lot of variations depending on type of home and age, but by and large, they're very similar transactions. Commercial industrial solar, every single deal is very unique and very, very different. And they're very long sales cycles. And we're not looking at them the same way. So even though every single deal is different, will be different, this is a common language and a way to move projects through the pipeline and a way to actually assess the risk. So if you're a financial institution, you're very familiar with how to securitize hamburgers and pork bellies and copper. Right, so we haven't figured out yet how to talk to the financial markets in a consistent, uniform way to bring in income pipeline from different sectors of commercial, industrial. It might be a REIT. It might be a portfolio of shopping centers. It might be Home Depots. It might be industrial parks. It might be <coughs> landfills. It might be capped landfills, those sorts of things. But we haven't figured out how to move it through a pipeline in a consistent way so they can catch the ball at the other end and simply move it, move capital. Because at the end of the day, the financial markets, they want to move 50 million, 100 million, 200 million dollar tranches, especially if you're part of an institutional house that wants to allocate a portfolio of a mutual fund and have a 5% exposure to solar. In order to actually access that capital, you need to move projects through in a consistent way. And think about what that does for the market. 
when we talk to our partners about the True Solar Initiative, their uniform reaction has been, what can we do and how can we help? And the other beautiful thing about this sector is that, while there's a group of us that got together for six months and did a lot of the initial heavy lifting, this is an industry objective. And so there's an industry engagement initiative that started at a conference several months ago. And it's continuing through the release and beyond the release of this product that we're creating for the industry, by the industry. How, how have they come to these misperceptions that solar is a risky bet? I think it's fear of the unknown, like it is for almost everyone. I mean, when you're not familiar with something, then you know what you as a financier can handle, which is credit risk. You don't know anything about technology risk. There are several different stacks of risk involved that are foreign. And so they've come to the misperception that it's bad. Unknown equals bad. And so by creating this clarity and simplifying things for them so that they'll be able to look at them and not have that fear, then we think that's really going to make a difference. How, what, what role does testing play in that? When you're a financier and you want to see the quality of the products that are going into a project, how important is it for, for something like somebody like UL to have certified all of the products involved in the project? Well, there's probably multiple areas that um, True Solar helps advance the opportunities to increase that confidence. It's not only during the initial project development, you're trying to figure out what is your heavy equipment investment going to be, and how does your cost tolerance tolerate whether your actual energy output is going to be 500 kilowatts or 520 kilowatts, right, or megawatts, whatever the number happens to be. At some point, you're going to be wondering, should I be overbuying or am I going to be underbuying? And how does that affect my contracts and how does that affect my overall investment in operations and maintenance? Testing is just one part of it. There's an opportunity with the True Solar Initiative to not only standardize what data the testing brings to the table, but how should people be viewing that data, right? To assess risk. Absolutely. And how to translate that into which variables does this help reduce from a financial equation perspective. So if I've got to overcompensate or overestimate not only in my equipment purchase phase, but I've also got to do it in my operating and maintenance phase, suddenly you're introducing a level of uncertainty where the question then becomes, well, should I be doing this project at all? Or should I be looking at wind? Or should I be looking at traditional coal? Right, or clean coal. We don't want them to go down that path of thinking. What we want them to understand is there is a very rational, logical way to get at understanding a lot of those variables and in a way that industry is really supported developing. I'm just going to say, kind of bringing it back to what Jean and, and Evelyn were kind of hitting on, it's a common language thing. And what you asked in the question, Frank, about you know, what has our industry been struggling with and why has this been such a problem? And, and because when when an industry and a product or technology is new and you're in the capital markets and you want to invest in it, with solar, is it a policy risk? Is it a construction risk? Is it a technology risk? Is it a site risk? Is it an off-taker risk? Is it a seismic wind condition? Is it a solar risk? Is it a sun? And the answer is E, all the above. <laughs> right, right, right. So, and so this is about fair and reasonable pricing of risk with a common set of tools and language in an incredibly comprehensive way that the group and the companies have put together over 2,000 individual lines in an Excel spreadsheet that gives you a sense of taking macro categories of risk with three major categories, breaking them down into subcategories. I mentioned construction risk, performance risk, policy risk. You go on down the line, and those break down into sub-elements, and each one of 
Honorable Sebum was having individual questions about did you evaluate the wind condition in this project in Florida, yes or no, and did you do an engineering study? And as you go through that tree, decision tree, you were able to correlate whether or not you did that work. Is that worth 50 basis points if you did it in discount, or is it worth 100 basis points in premium because you did not? So this is what True Solar is all about. It's pricing risk in a very comprehensive way. And part of the, the, the beauty of it is that's from the financier's perspective, but from the developer's perspective, once this is complete, they'll be able to know what they should do to get their project to score higher and get it funded. And Frank, your focus on Wall Street, which is what we just heard for a few seconds, now think about the companies in this sector who are originating and developing deals. Deal drop-off rates are phenomenally high in this sector, and that's a sign of immaturity and a sign of a lack of a tool like TrueSol is developing. You develop this tool, and now you allow companies who may not be going through the entire process to now have a common language that they can repeat over and over and over and over again to accelerate deal flow. I said a few minutes ago, you have bad projects quickly fall out of the funnel, and you can fast-track really good projects. And not only can you fast-track them, when you bring them to Wall Street, they understand them as a pool of projects. So it, this is why we've seen so much excitement about the True Solo uh, initiative that we've developed. This is why we're moving so fast to get it done. And this is why we've aggregated a group of companies that have the data, the bandwidth, the capital, and the will to actually create this tide that rises all boats for the industry. And by the way, we've engaged the entire industry to provide comments into the screen. So this is a screen for the industry by the industry. How many companies make up the True Solar Initiative at this point, and who are you looking to add? Who don't you have that you would really like to have? So the founding working group started with about a dozen companies in New York in December. And that quickly grew to 18. And what's interesting about that first group of 18 is we actually had six global publicly traded companies along with everybody else executed one common set of documents, one common document, which is all about roles, responsibilities, scope. And we're all smirking at that because we actually accomplished it. <laughs> and, and, and so imagine, imagine trying to move that to get common focus, saying this is what we're going to actually do together. So take, take that 20, 18 to 20. We now have expanded interest. We just announced uh, our affiliate program as we move into the beta aspect of applying it to projects. So the affiliate program is now open for charter members to participate. There's already interest from 25 companies across the whole value chain. So your question about who's not interested, the answer is it's, it's getting to a very, very small number. So we basically we have a plan. We're executing the plan. It's alpha phase, then beta phase, apply it on projects, demonstrate viability, and then release it, transfer it to a standards body in 2014. So we're executing our plan, and we're involving more and more participants in the market to get feedback on the emerging standard, ensure that it's comprehensive, validated, and then move it forward. And it'll be a standard that gets administered, transferred over to the industry, and there will be a governance and a structure and the things that you would associate with a normal standards body. And Frank, for your audience, if they want to get involved, truesolar.com was just launched. So T-R-U-S-O-L-A-R, no E, T-R-U-S-O-L-A-R, score.com. TrueSolarScore.com. Can you describe for me briefly what the affiliate program looks like? What does that mean? For a company that wants to be affiliated with True Solar, what does that mean? How do they go about doing it, and what are the responsibilities uh, for affiliate members? The affiliate program is it's an umbrella-type approach, and the initial phase of the affiliate program is what we're calling a charter membership. And so the charter membership, which is the first step, and there'll be subsequent steps. We haven't decided exactly what comes along with that, but we're considering 
you know, stakeholders and subscribers that have varying, various levels of input and contributions to the development of the standard, ranging from review, verify, validate, vote, to just review and see and just get a light touch. So that's what the broad brush affiliate program is all about, but back to the charter members specifically. So that's providing uh, project information, project data, working closely with the working group members to apply the prototype screen to real projects and share the, the reaction to the standard, how it applies, how it prices risk, project data, asset data, portfolio of installed systems that are, that are currently being maintained. How does the true solar screen apply to existing assets? So these are the things that charter members can then help inform the standard, and they also get a chance to actually develop alongside the rest of the working group. And that's the near-term focus is across the broad affiliate umbrella, is the charter membership initial steps, and then there's the other ones that I just mentioned. So Frank, the members of the working group that are not in this podcast, and as well as Asharant and UL, but when you look at S&P, Standard & Poor's, when you look at ADB, uh, we have, when you look at DuPont, we have members in this working group that have experience with developing these types of standard boards. Uh, because we're not inventing, reinventing any wheel. This is not something that hasn't been done before in the world. This has been done many times in the U.S. It was done in Telecom and Everly can give you a lot of examples and so can Gene. So it's wonderful for us that we don't have to reinvent the wheel. We just need to bring the parties to the table, create the screen, bring data to the table, and let the market grow it from there. So it's nothing new. We're not geniuses. We're just creating something that's been created in a lot of other industries in the U.S. I think Kosa brings up a really good point. If I could just reinforce it, it's... it's a number of the companies around the working group are the ULs of the world that have over a century plus of experience around testing okay, they, standards, they they administering the standards, and, and shepherding standards forward for industry and getting the scale. Assurance, like over a century in their line of business around insurance. Um, DuPont, a couple centuries. S&P, right, long-standing brand. So, you know, thinking about the implications of how to get to scale through standardization and efficiency and especially around capital velocity. And then also having the experience and knowledge about how to transfer that to the market and in the long-term view to administer the standard. Those are really fundamental, long-term things. We, I think we've got a great collection of companies to do it. Yeah, and I think uh, what's important about that is, especially with the financiers, is to bring that sense of sustainability and longevity to the effort because we also don't want people to think that this is a, a three-year effort or a five-year effort. This is something that we really feel is going to have a sustainable, valuable place in the future of more and more of these projects coming online. And so models like this, standards, they, they behoove the involvement of industry in order to keep that standard in line with how the industry is changing, how the technology is modernizing, and how differently financiers think about projects today versus maybe in five years when we've got, what I dare say, hundreds or thousands of projects screened through this model. Hundreds Thank of thousands you. of gigawatts. Exactly. Um, in such a way that you know we have been able to allay a lot of these investment fears and insecurities. And I think gathering the, the kinds of companies and brands that are really invested in making sure that the model succeeds lends to that credibility and that sustainability. And that's really important. So now is definitely the time for companies that want to have a vested say, an active participation, maybe not just as a user of the model, but as an actual input provider or developer, now is the perfect time for them to come to the table, get involved, and, and even voice what kinds of 
things they can bring to the to the model. There's there's been talk about you're going to bring this to the market in 2014. Do we have a time frame yet? We're talking first quarter, third quarter. Yes, yes to the first. You know, probably not as long as the third quarter. Okay. So kind of what the you know what do the next six months look like? It's again it's. We have a plan, we have a timeline, we're just now getting into applying projects through beta. Beta will take us to the extent, once we complete the scope of what we want to do and the number of projects we want to evaluate the standard to, that could go faster. And based on the interest in affiliate and charter members, we could get out of beta much, much sooner. You also want to think about, you know, to set this up and, and have a nice soft landing in the market. You don't want to transfer it and, and go open source because that loses fidelity, it loses integrity. This is a very, it tends to be a very managed structured, controlled process to transfer the right way. The group as a whole is targeting Q1 of 2014. It, it could be that that soon or sooner. It's probably in the neighborhood of Q1, Q2. Um, they're really just laser focused on right, apply it to projects, make sure it's comprehensive, make sure it's credible. Because uh, otherwise, if you just hit a, hit a milestone to transfer it and it's not comprehensive, it's not validated, you really didn't do anybody any service, we'll have to go back and clean it all up. <clears throat> so we want to get it comprehensive, but the general timeline is, is what I mentioned. In the grand scheme of all the securitization talk that I've heard over several years in this industry, that's pretty darn fast. Um, and again, the reason that it's happening so fast is that we have a lot of players at the table with a lot of data, with a lot of resources, with a lot of enthusiasm for making the industry as a whole better. And we understand the importance of creating this to make the entire industry better. So we're, we're putting our money, our time, and our, and our resources towards this. By the way, this is a private initiative. I don't know if we've mentioned that yet. This is an initiative by the private sector. Market-driven, private sector, funded. So driven by industry, funded by industry, for industry. A significant, significant effort. TrueSolarScore.com. Thanks, Frank. Thank you. I really appreciate it. I'm Frank Andorka, Editorial Director of Solar Power World Magazine. As you can hear in the background, I'm at InterSolar North America 2013, and I was just talking with four members of the True Solar Initiative, a way to standardize the, the project financing uh, for the solar industry.